Hey, I'm Emma Riley bringing you a new podcast to start the extended play to live your life. Today we got Nico Siegel on the show and you probably know him by his stage name as Donnie Trumpet. In this episode, he shares how he became a producer and a professional musician, sharing insight on how the music industry works, and his most recent work with Intellectual, The Juju Exchange, The Social Experiment, and Chance the Rapper. You have big dreams and have wondered what it's like to work in the industry, and now you can finally start going after what you truly want. Welcome to Live Your Life Extended Play. So Nico, how you doing today? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, it's great just to have you on here. I can't wait. It's going to be sick. Um, first off, um, basically Nico's career is pretty insane. Um, big career moments include, um, being part of the social experiment and kids these days bands, um, studio album releases, including the surf and intellectual, uh, coloring book with chance, the rapper, um, Donnie Trump at EP, the Juju Exchange, and Strange with Paul Simon. He's also worked with artists such as Chance the Rapper, um, Nate Fox, Grand, Greg Glenfair, Peter Cottontail, and Vic Mensa. And he's also worked with Cardell Levine as well, uh, featured in a music video. Um, so Nico, first I got to ask you, how did you get into the music industry? Yeah, well, um, actually, a lot of the people who you just mentioned that I worked with, um, I kind of grew up with, and we were all we were all friends. Um, I was friends with Chance before we were, you know, working together in a in more in a more legitimate way. Um, but we were friends, and and we went to this uh, poetry open mic workshop place together called Open Mic, and. Um, and it was at a place called Umedia, which was inside of a library. And it was actually one of the first places that I ever recorded trumpet was inside this like studio for kids in, in a library. Um, and it was, it was some stuff with Chance and some of his earlier stuff. And um, Vic, I've known for a long time as well. We went to elementary school together uh, at Little Lincoln in Chicago. And then we went to high school together as well. We went to Whitney Young. So I've actually grown up with and, and known a lot of these, you know, really incredible musicians and artists for a long time. And, uh, and I would say that that's really how I got into the music industry. I mean, uh, when I was in, I think it was like sixth grade or seventh grade, one of somebody, like there was like a career day and somebody came in and was like explaining all these different careers that one could have. And they came in and then they, they described like, you can, you know, you can be a writer, you can be an artist, you can be a musician. And I was like, musician, like I can play music and that can be my whole job. So pretty much that was all I ever wanted to do. And that's, that's all I've ever done. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I got into it because I've always been into music. And then kind of the day I found out that it was like a, an actual profession, um, that's all I ever wanted to do. Did you ever doubt yourself sometimes or have people be like, eh, I don't know if you can go into that. I don't know if you should do that. Will you make enough money? Did you ever have people say that to you? Totally. Yeah. Many, many different times in my career. Uh, um, I was playing drums actually at first 
uh, initially and, and um, was super into drums. And then I switched schools and I was in like sixth grade and um, wanted to keep playing drums in the music program, but there was too many drummers. So I was like, all right, I'll play saxophone because I thought that looked cool. And they were like, no, there's too many saxophonists. <laughs> so my dad was like, maybe you should play the trumpet. So anyways, I, you know, there was that moment of just like unsure what instrument I was even going to play. Um, and then going into high school, a similar thing kind of happened where I was really into the trumpet, but I was also like, I had a lot of music theory in my background already because of the drums and because my dad plays piano. So he would kind of like show me random stuff. Um, so I had a lot of music theory. I could read music and I knew a lot of, you know, the rhythms and stuff. Um, but I wasn't that good at the trumpet. So I did my audition the band leader was like, well, you can play like you can play trumpet in the intermediate band or you can play French horn in the advanced band. And we need more French horn players. Like he was like really trying to get me to play the French horn, which I understand. Um, but that summer I went to Merritt for the first time, which is like a music school that a lot of us went to, that uh, Greg went to, and um, a lot of the core members of Kids These Days initially went to Merit, and um, basically just like leveled up <laughs> really significantly yeah. at summer. And so then when I did end up going to, to high school, I was in the intermediate band on trumpet for maybe one day. And then I went to the advanced band and was playing trumpet the whole, you know, the rest of my time there. And then the final time it happened, was college so another schooling experience um <laughs> i didn't go and it was a really big deal and i did do the whole uh audition process i auditioned at lots of different places um i actually did end up accepting at manhattan school of music and had a decent scholarship and i was really excited to go there but i was also in the middle of like touring with this band of my friends called Kids These Days. And we were super busy. We were flying all over the place. We were driving all over the country, playing shows every night and, you know, having a ton of fun. So I really wanted to see it through. And, and you know, my trumpet teacher at the time was kind of like, you're crazy. <laughs> you have to go to school. Like, this is, you know, how you get better. This is how you get to the next step. And in many ways he was right, but in certain ways he was wrong. And, um, and there was a lot of people in my life at that time telling me that I should go to school um, because not even because they didn't believe in me, but because most people genuinely believed that that's what would take to the next level uh, in the, in the industry. And, um, and a hundred percent, it does for a lot of people. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, be the anti-school guy. That's yeah. totally not how I feel about it. I, I just think I, I was in a unique position where I was already touring with a band and I, you know, I was just really excited about the music we were making. It was really different than what I would be studying. So I did my research and I did the auditions and I went through the whole process, but I think the whole time I pretty much knew that this wasn't going to be my, my route. And, um, and I'm really thankful that I didn't because, you know, a lot of things kind of ended up clicking when they needed to. And kids these days, um, led to this next opportunity, which led to the next opportunity really fluidly. And um, if I had kind of had the, I don't want to call it a hiatus, because <laughs> that's a bad 
of saying school time, time in school. But if I had had this time away from Chicago and away from my community, away from my friends of, you know, core musicians, um, then yeah, we wouldn't be touring. We wouldn't be as successful. We wouldn't have gotten the kind of momentum behind us um, to really, to really do something. And uh, so, yeah, all those times. And then the band broke up, Busy Days broke up. And again, I, I, I was kind of faced with these really crazy period of time where I wasn't really sure what the industry was, was going to hold for me. I mean, my dream had always just been to be the broke jazz trumpet player, you know, uh, that was kind of as far as it went. And um, when the band broke up, like, really the universe just kind of provided, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm not so religious, but I'm definitely spiritual. I definitely think that, you know, one door, one door opens kind of thing uh, is really, really true in music, especially if you, you know, if you're like nice to people and like respectful and um, show up and, and work hard, which is really like the, the basis of any job, I guess. But in music, because we're dealing so much with just like people and feelings and being open and vulnerable with people, um, if you can just be nice and like on time, you're going to get 95% more of the gigs than somebody who isn't. Um, and so, yeah, right after the band broke up, basically our, one of our last shows that we had agreed to do was Coachella. And Coachella is uh, two weekends. So it's like a, a show on Saturday and, or, and then a show on the next Saturday. And in the week in between our two Coachella shows, um, we randomly heard about and got to go to uh, an audition to be in Frank Ocean's band. And um, we got the gig and then right after the band broke up, the trombone player and I ended up on tour with Frank Ocean. So, uh, and then right after that ended up on tour with Chance. So literally one after the other, um, coming, coming, kind of coming out of these like weird question mark moments, um, something always kind of ended up clicking and, and really uh, making sense for me. So I've, I've been really blessed in that way. And, um, and yeah, I think those are all the, the moments of doubt and moments of triumph I can remember. Um, no, there was tons more, but um, yeah, main ones. Wow. Um, I didn't realize you tutor, toured with Frank Ocean either. Um, I did see, um, I was looking at all of your stats kind of on SoundCloud and Spotify. I saw you guys have uh, 800,000 followers on Spotify, about... 80,000 on SoundCloud um blowing up though <laughs> but basically what you're saying is you know there's always new opportunity kind of the universe has a way of working out yeah I think so and I mean I think the kind of main the main takeaway is you know if you if you're working on your instrument which is should be your main goal is just to get better at your instrument then you realize it's kind of like this lifelong journey and you're never really going to arrive. You're never going to like, oh, I made it to my destination point. I can play all these like Freddie Hubbard solos and I can play all these Miles Davis solos or something. Um, it's really a process of just giving and giving and giving and working and working um, on your instrument. And it's kind of similar in the music world where you give like your time in a lot of, and a lot of points in your career uh, I was 
running around the city, you know, driving from session to session to session, making beats with over here, playing trumpet over here, playing the salsa gig here. Um, so you really kind of give your time and, and you give your, uh, I guess, your, your instrument and just your passion to the community. And then at some point, yeah, it ends up coming back in, in some really miraculous ways. So let's say, um, let's say someone doesn't have a lot of experience and um, they have to work a part-time job to kind of drive around and travel more. Uh, mm -hmm. How would you kind of balance that out? Would you say, like, try to network a little bit and then do a few gigs or how would you kind of go? Yeah, I, mean, I would say um, to start musical projects with people that you really like and that understand your situation, you know, the, the times where you need to work or what you're going through at home, um, basically just your friends. I would start musical projects with your friends. And you, I mean, the key word there is like networking, I guess, like you said, um, going to a show or going to a rehearsal of your other friends and like meeting people and asking with you. And um, yeah, I mean, so much of the industry is just like, who you know and how friendly you are with them and do you have this person's number or this person's email um and that's not to say to like be fake about it but but really that's a huge part of it is just like connections and who you meet and and uh and kind of what you can both offer for each other so i mean it does it, it's a little transactional at first maybe but um, eventually these relationships grow and, you know, you can become really close friends. Um, I met Nate Fox on tour with Chance for the first major tour we did together. And here's just this random dude that I never met, like in the green room, making some fire beat <laughs> before we go out on stage. And then we go out and play this show together. Like that was literally the day I met him. It's like we're on stage together playing this music. And I mean, we instantly became really close because of his energy and because I was into the music he made. And now he's, you know, one of my best friends and we've made a ton of music together. And uh, so, yeah, it, it is all about kind of your willingness to uh, uh, compromise in certain areas. And then also your like ability to blend and kind of chameleon uh, be the chameleon in the room sometimes. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of my <laughs> musical, a lot of my musical successes have come from just kind of being easy to work with in the room and, and like more so um, just being like supportive and being friendly than my actual physical trumpet playing. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's kind of, in a lot of ways true for friendship in general right it's like you're friends with somebody not because they can like do a backflip but it's like oh shoot my best friend can do a backflip what can your best friend do <laughs> like yeah. it's still exciting and it's still like uh rewarding when your friends can are really talented and do cool things um but uh the way that you kind of think about the giving is is this very like uh, symbiotic relationship where you're both pushing each other and both building uh, something together. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a long-winded answer, but 
but yeah, being being friends with people is is really important in making music. Yeah. What's the coolest project uh, you've worked on so far that you would say? You've definitely mm. done a lot of cool things. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. <laughs> well. You can say more than one. That's cool, too. Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Because um, I feel like there's different there's different kind of goals or different things that I've done that make that felt special for different reasons. Yeah. Um, let's see. I played trumpet on a song called Ultra Light Beam with one Mr. Kanye West. That That's was pretty sick. And the first time I heard that the trumpets were even on the song was when he was playing it out of an aux cord in Madison Square Garden. And I was watching a live stream in in my apartment in LA and I was flipping out. Um, okay, so that was one really incredible cherished memory. Um, another one is a song I wrote on Nate and I's project called Intellectual. I wrote this song called Overthinking and I really like that song and it's very meaningful to me and feel like um, a lot of music making sometimes can feel like uh, a math problem or a puzzle or something that you're trying to figure out. And then sometimes it just like, ah, it just like figures itself out. And that song really felt like we got there with it. Like I really love that song. Um, and then I think the most proud music I've ever made is actually the music I'm making now, which is so, means so much to me that I can even say that. Um, but the band I'm working with the most right now is the Juju Exchange. And it's an instrumental outfit. Um, and it's a couple of my closest friends from high school. And the music we're making is just really powerful to me and really, um, clearly uh, and cleanly the most kind of uh, succinct, the most like uh, cohesive uh, project that I've ever been a part of and the most coherent. <laughs> um, and I think it's, besides just being really good, I, I like objectively, I think that the band itself is reaching some really important places and talking about some really important conversations around healing and around grief and around a lot of these uh, really important themes. So the music itself is, is tight to me. It's the coolest music I've ever made, but on top of that, the messaging behind it and kind of the, the overall aesthetic of, of the project is really, really special and uh, really impactful. So I, I think that's probably the most proud I've been of, of, of music and that's you said that's coming up soon yeah well soon ish we're working on it all right i will definitely look forward to that yeah but we actually just released a project called uh eternal boombox and okay. that project revolves around the five stages of grief so it's a five song ep and every song is kind of dedicated to the stages of grief like acceptance uh, bargaining all, all these different stages sadness depression so yeah so are you you're working with 
uh, the Juju Experiment and Social, or Juju Exchange and Social Experiment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And well, intellectual. And intellectual. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of different projects. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me why it's not all just called my name or something, but um, they are really different and, and kind of satisfy different musical goals I have. Like an intellectual, I'm writing a lot of songs and even singing them sometimes. And then, and obviously producing a ton. Um, with Chance and the social experiment, like I'm, I'm producing a lot, but I'm more so just playing a lot of trumpet. Um, in the Juju Exchange, I'm really doing a lot of both, playing a lot of trumpet and producing a ton. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of different, different goals I have, different categories of things that I like. And um, for whatever reason, they feel really different. And also it, like in the jazz context, like why isn't it Nico and the Juju Exchange or something? But the, the music we're making isn't necessarily like jazz music. And that's kind of an ugly word historically anyways. So we try and lean away from that and more so describe it as instrumental. Um, but um, the music itself is really, it's much more heady and kind of intellectual than some of the other things that I'm doing, even though I have another project called Intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, I, I just feel like they're different enough and they're collaborative enough that wouldn't make sense if it was just my name and like all this music that sounds so different. Um, so I kind of am trying to guide people a little. So basically, so even though you're a trumpet player and a producer, you don't have to identify with one profession. You, you're saying you can be a songwriter and a producer. And totally. Player. Totally. Yeah. And I think actually it's, uh, it's not, it's going to become more than you can. And I'm, I'm of the mindset that you really should because um, as musicians, as like a trumpet player first, you know, I'd go to sessions and I would play a bunch of trumpet and then kind of whatever the producer or the engineer wanted to do, I was just kind of at their, at their whim, you know, it's just like, whatever you guys want to do with it, I've done my part. See you later. Um, and I've had a lot of people that I worked with do an incredible job and come up with stuff that I never could have come up with and chop it up in really interesting ways. Um, but then I've had, all, you know, a lot of people also kind of mess it up and play, chop things up that were mistakes into the final take, um, chop things up that I didn't like, that I didn't, that didn't really sound like me um, because they affected it so significantly. Um, so that kind of led me to wanting to do it myself. And then out of producing my own trumpet work, um, that's kind of what led me to producing more of the full production, um, you know, working on drums and working on piano sounds, working on sound effects for whatever I'm hearing. Um, and yeah, I would always kind of played some piano. So that always helped a lot. Um, I think as a horn player, you know, a lot of our basis of theory comes from just playing piano, playing some chords and, and playing trumpet over it or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think production became kind of really important to me. And I think every horn player in the future should probably start thinking about it, you know, at a very young age. Um, we're often told 
go home and record yourself playing this song and then critique yourself. But we're not often told like, go home, record yourself and then like mess around with it, come up with a hundred different types of sounds for it, come up with, you know, speed it up, slow it down, pitch it up, pitch it down. Like just kind of experiment with the sound in a, in a really different way that producers are taught to, but musicians generally aren't. And it also creates a really different uh, sense of ownership uh, on the back end where, you know, the music industry itself is really, really confusing in terms of how people get paid. And um, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I know all the, all the percentages and everything, but I do know once you are producing more and taking more ownership of your music, you get more percentage. So you get more publishing. And if you work significantly on a record, you could end up getting some of the, the royalties, which is the master's uh, recordings, the master recordings. So if you get those, you get way more money in the long run. So let's say you're a trumpet player or whatever. Let's use a different instrument. Let's say you're a flute player. I love the flute. Let's say you're a flute player and you go in somewhere and you play the flute for an hour. And then they say, thanks so much. Here's 200 bucks or here's 300 bucks. And we really appreciate it. Have a great day. And you're like, cool, amazing. Thanks. Peace, guys. And then you never hear about them again because you got your money. You, you went for the time that they said you did the job and that's it. That was the extent of your kind of uh, working together. But if you are going into that studio session and coming up with your own parts that no one else has told you to play, if you're chopping up your horns so that they sound beautiful and, and fit within the context of the song really well um, so that the engineer doesn't have to do any chopping or the producer doesn't have to figure out where you belong in the song, that's what translates towards percentage and ownership. And that can be way more beneficial in terms of uh, financially beneficial down the road. So maybe that $300, you, you still get paid that $300 because you still showed up for that hour and did your work, but you should also get a small percentage of the, of the overall work. And that can mean publishing, which is what you've written. And that can also mean the master recording, which is what's physically there. So let's say what you've written, uh, I don't know, inspires some other part, inspires some other piano part and that part makes it but your part doesn't you'd still get some publishing but you wouldn't get any master so anyways that's a really basic way of describing it but you can make a lot of money if you kind of are willing to uh give a lot up top and with the hopes that it'll eventually turn into something that it'll really make it onto the record one and then two you know you'll you'll have a decent enough relationship that you can kind of describe your work and, and uh, defend your percentage um, if it comes down to that. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's a lot to take in, but yeah, a lot of insight for sure. And I do have one last question before we go. Cool. Um, yeah. How would you just simply encourage other people to live their lives the way that they want? Deep question. Wow, that's a huge question. I'm going to uh, take this a little outside of music because I think um, obviously making music brings me a lot of joy um, and I love making music. I love the trumpet. I love my instruments. 
Um, I love producing all that, but also there's this very uh, capitalistic urge to be extremely productive in your craft and in your job. And uh, I'm gonna fight against that a little bit and just say, you know, even though I love my job, it still is 100% my job. And um, I wish that someone had explained, you know, what touring meant. Okay, touring means you're in a bus for like months at a time, <laughs> driving to different places, getting no sleep, playing shows every night and sleeping in a little bunk. Okay, so I love music, I love touring, I love Chance, I love everybody, but, um, but yeah, it's hard. It's, it's not an easy thing. And, and uh, so anyways, that's part of it. The second half is really like your life is made up much more than just your job and much more than just your passion and much more than just the combination of the two, if you're lucky enough, like me, to work in your passion. Um, but no matter what, you need other things, you need people, you need other sources of rejuvenation. Um, and so for me, I play a lot of chess. I really like playing chess and nice. it's, a, it's a game for me. And uh, I get a lot out of it just physically and, and mentally. Um, I also really like playing basketball. So I'll play basketball, not every day, but I'll play basketball a couple of times a week, especially if it's nice out. Um, and I guess that's, and oh, and reading has become a really big part of my life this last year, especially, especially. and uh, just really been reading a lot, been reading a lot of really dope books. And they're not all just music books like they were when I was in high school, where I was like, every single thing I did had to revolve around music. Um, I think kind of the key to any happy life is some sense of roundedness and uh even if you're really you know in love with music and and you get to be a musician for your job you get paid from it um there's still a lot more to life and so anyways i would just say the key is being friends with people <laughs> building community building your network um being good to people in general uh practicing a ton like you have to practice all the time and you have to love it or you're not going to get a lot out of it and and then doing other activities like chess and basketball that kind of just are fun and bring you joy and you don't have to think a million thoughts about am I doing this right am I pressing this right breathing right am I you know um so yeah just have fun enjoy your life hang out with awesome. your friends <laughs> You guys can find Nico on Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud at Nico Siegel. You can also follow Donnie Trumpet in the Social Experiment, the Juju Exchange, and Intellectual on all streaming platforms. You can also see Nico featured in Chance the Rapper's Magnificent Coloring World documentary. Next week, Sterling Laws is coming on the show, and he's going to talk about his work with Low Moon, Kim Gordon, and Olivia Rodrigo. Please listen, rate, and review all episodes for free on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week. And don't forget to live your life.